Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. So excited to be hanging out with you this weekend. If you are new here, um, I do a little of this and a little of that around here. My husband's actually the kids' pastor, which is awesome for him and not my thing. So... Like, it's really awkward when I go to church places and there's this, like, assumption that because your spouse does something, you are also all about that thing. And frequently, it's true, but not in this case. I love my kids a lot. Some of your kids, if you are my, if we're friends, um, and then that's it. So, um, (laughs) don't judge me for that. It's just the truth, all right? But anyway, yes, here I am. I'm excited. Um, We've been talking about, we've been talking, we've had this message series called What Now? Talking about what do we do now? There's so much that has happened in 2020. This has not been a normal year. And we've talked about it. So you can find all the previous message for this series on the website. This is actually the last one. But whatever you've been feeling during this time has probably been addressed one way or another in um, one of those messages. So if you missed them, be sure to check them out, but let's let's just be honest for a second, right? This has been it's been weird. 2020's been weird. Um, like there's, you know, we went from one thing to another thing, and then that other thing's still kind of going on. But maybe we're just not talking about it. But um, my brother's a nurse, so he's always giving me like the updates of of if we should or shouldn't be talking about it. But so um, <laughs> help, he's a helpful information to me. But um, you know, these challenging times, I mean, and they are, they, they can be challenging. Um, they can also be, even though, like, people are very, there are lots of people who are maybe hurting in some way, discouraged in some way, and, for, and I'm not dismissing that, but these challenging times are a great moment for us to evaluate what's going on in our life. Yeah. To ask ourselves if we are becoming more like Jesus in how we live our life, to ask ourselves if what we are doing is working. And oftentimes when life gets chaotic, there is a very natural thing that we want to say, and that is, when will things just go back to normal? And that's understandable. But I, I wonder if a better question is, should everything go back to the normal that it was before? Anytime there's some shifts in our life, this is the moment to change what needs changed. And just like um, Tiliana said earlier, that can be hard, that can be challenging, but it's worth asking, it's worth evaluating. And I know like all of us as, as um, states have opened back up, as our lives have maybe opened back up, for some people things didn't change at all, for some like, you know, things changed a lot, you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a wide variety, but for me, as um, you know, restrictions started lifting, places started opening back up, it was actually kind of bittersweet for me. And not because I wasn't excited to see your beautiful faces. You all look great today. But because, and you online, you look great in your PJs. You look awesome. I'm glad you're here. Um, save me some coffee. Um, but as excited as I was to see you, I, there was something bittersweet about um, my, ch- my schedule changing up again. Because for me, honestly, in 2020, I'm really feeling like God is solidifying some things for me. 
about who I'm called to be, about my um, focus in life. And so I, I was almost like sad a little bit to see things return to normal because I don't want to just go back to the parts of normal that weren't working. And for me, there's this side of my faith that, that during this time, I've been able to engage more deeply. And that is what we're gonna talk about this morning. Let's pray. God, I just wanna communicate what you want me to communicate. I'm so glad that we're here together that we're listening, that we're leaning into your word. And my prayer is that you would communicate individually to us, to me, the ways that we have lived out of balance, the ways that we have missed things that you have for us. So God, show us, reveal to us what we need to shift. What's, what's the normal that wasn't working in our life? Show us, God, what you want to do in our life right now. Speak to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to show you this kind of framework. Um, there's going to be a chart that comes on there. Rachel's really leaning into her used to be a teacher vibes. And don't worry, also the preacher Rachel vibes will come out. But we're going to start with teacher vibes, so just get ready for that. But um, this framework I actually stole from a ministry called Dwell, so you can, you can find them at dwellwithgod.com. But that's, that's my giving them credit because I love them and I want them to have credit. But the things in this chart, we make them and or. We say, I'm going to be really good at this side of the chart, and I'm going to ignore the other side of the chart. Or maybe we really like one aspect of what I'm going to talk about, one part of this framework or this paradigm. And, um, you know, and we all have different weaknesses in our life, so it makes sense that we would have different areas where we would naturally be not quite up to par with. But when we take an and-and approach, not an and-or approach, but an and-and approach to the things that I'm talking about this morning, we will have a faith that is more deeply rooted, that is more holistic, that is more vibrant, that is more alive, because it will, be, it will have a wholeness to it where we're not just walking out a one-sided faith. So let's start. Here we go. First thing on the chart, we've got the temple and we've got the table. These are two sides of a coin, okay? We see the temple in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with scripture. This is where something called the Holy of Holies was. This is like the central location for worship. In the Old Testament, we see that this is where the presence of God is more tangible. It's more um, present. It's more aware. And scholars say that this was thought to be like this. The temple wasn't just where people went to do religious practices, make sacrifices, all of that stuff. This is where heaven and earth overlapped. This was a space where God's presence was more aware, where that heavenly realm, that supernatural realm, whatever you want to call it, where that God-present space and our more, quote-unquote, natural space overlap. It's sacred. And I think that we feel that here oftentimes when we gather, right? Like a lot of you probably just now as we were singing these songs, you felt that tangible presence of God. You felt that heaven and earth overlap moment. 
You feel that when we come here and we drink coffee and we smile and, and uh, you know, we used to like have two minutes where we would say hi to each other. Oh, like you could feel that heaven overlap moment. You feel that in small groups when someone gets freedom from something, where there's a breakthrough that happens. You feel that even like, especially when you're with, you know, friends who believe like you do, who love Jesus. Maybe they're even a lot different than you in some ways, but they love Jesus like you. You guys are talking and laughing. And it's not necessarily so overtly, quote unquote, spiritual, but you feel something in those moments. That life is more than just this. Those are heaven and earth overlap moments. And that was the temple. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And as the early church started, after Jesus died, he raised again, the church started, and they start hanging, the Bible talks about how they're meeting in the temple daily at the beginning of Acts. But then we also see Jesus hangs out at the table a lot. All the time we see him eating meals with people. All the time we see him... Um, uh, breaking bread. When he comes back uh, from, from the dead, he immediately starts showing up at tables. Communion happens at the table. Um, Jesus cooks fish breakfast for Peter after he comes back to life. Jesus, I, I, I just love, honestly, how much Jesus and food are associated, but um, just personally, I, I, that brings me joy. But all the time we see this table thing with Jesus. And then in Acts, as we see the early church start at the temple, some things happen. The church is kicked out of the temple. They're not allowed to gather there anymore. And so they start gathering at homes, not just in Jerusalem, but it starts to spread out further and further and faster and faster. And all around the Roman Empire, the, the Christians are meeting at tables. They are breaking bread together. They are hanging out together. They are worshiping together at tables. And I think our natural inclination would be to assume that when they couldn't gather together, the whole thing would fall apart. And I know that's some of your natural inclination because I saw you freaking out about us not being able to meet together. But, and I, and I still love you. It's fine. We all have freakouts. Um, trust me. Ask my husband. Okay. Not him. Me. Anyway. Um, just, I thought I should clarify. He never freaks out. Anyway. <laughs> uh, cool as a cucumber, that guy. Anyway. So, I had a hair in my mouth. All right. So they meet at the table, right? And it's, it doesn't crush them. They grow. They flourish at the table. Why? So lean in here. This is, this is where some practical application starts. We see in Matthew 27, 51, Pastor Darren talked about this at last Wednesday recently, that the veil in the temple where the holiest of holies is tears. And that was sort of that pinnacle place of God's presence. So if that tears, God's presence is going out into the earth, what is it doing now? Where, where is that presence now? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why does God do so much at tables? Because heaven and earth are meeting at those tables. Yeah. Because you, the temple of the Holy Ghost, 
are there, bringing that heaven and earth overlap. As you live a life filled with the Holy Spirit, led by God, following his word, loving others, heaven and earth overlap. When your front porch is a place where your neighbors can say hey, can say hello, can, can like feel welcome, heaven and earth are meeting. When your table in your home is a place of peace, of comfort, of, of hope, heaven and earth are meeting. Amen. When your home is a place where people worship, where people can be real about their pain, about their struggles, and not be judged, heaven and earth are meeting. When your home is a place of repentance, where we say, I'm sorry for that thing that I did wrong, heaven and earth are meeting. When your home is a place of grace, where where you are is a place of grace, because I realize there's all different situations. Some of you live alone, some of you are single parents, maybe, you know, all different situations here. Wherever you go can be a place where heaven and earth are meeting. Do you bring that with you? There's power in that. That sacred space that is created when we love people, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we have those fruits of the, of the Holy Spirit, you know, love, peace, patience, joy, gentleness, self-control. When we live our life that way, things are different. And to live this kind of life, there has to be a certain pace to it. And church leader types don't like to say what I'm about to say because we're nervous you're going to quit everything so just just hang out with me for a second don't quit everything because this is a church-like family you do have a responsibility you know but you have like one responsibility that you can be really great at that thing not 20 things right be great at that thing because you have a responsibility but if you're never at your house if you never slow down enough to eat a meal with someone if you're so fast-paced that your neighbors don't know you exist, that your coworkers can't talk to you, and that your kids are like, mom is too busy looking at her phone to talk to me, um, and I'm preaching to myself on that, like, we can't do it. If our life is so full, so fast-paced, if we are in, and again, not telling you to quit everything, but we're, if we're in every single life group, every night of the week, and never home loving on the people close to us, we can't do this table thing as well. So we have to make sure that there is a holy pace in our life that is going after God. I'm not talking about being like sitting back and being lazy, but there needs to be a holy pace in our life that creates space for table moments to happen. We have to have that space. And you have to be intentional about that space because even if you quit everything, if you just go home and then watch Netflix and scroll on your phone the whole time, it's still not going to happen. Say law, all right? That means think about it, okay. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but um, if you've read the Gospels, you know, you see Jesus, he goes from one town to another. Like he's like Jerusalem to Samaria to this place. I can't remember the places, but Jesus is going from place to place. And we read about him going from place to place. And we assume that it's like travel now because we're, well, that's just how we think about life. Like we think like maybe he drove an hour and he got there. But like he had to walk everywhere. So Jesus lived a three miles an hour-ish life, right? Less miles an hour if you're me and have short legs. I assume Jesus had, was taller than me. But three miles an hour-ish life. He walked from one place to the next. 
And we don't always have recording of what he did during that time. But I would imagine that there was some table heaven meets earth time happening during then. And we do have one instance, that at least one instance that gets recorded. And this is in Luke chapter 24. This is actually after Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has come back to life. And we see this in Luke 24, starting at 13. Now the same day, two of them were on their way to a village, two of the followers of Jesus. They were on their way to a village called Amos, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And to get, so we know like at three miles an hour, it's gonna take at least a couple hours to get there. And together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. And then he asked them, what is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Is your life so fast that you don't notice if someone looks discouraged? Are you in such a hurry that if you walk by someone who looks discouraged, you don't even notice? The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? I think Jesus is hilarious because he says, what things? So they said to him, the thing concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one about to redeem Israel. Beside all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early in the tomb, and when they did find his body, they came and reported that he has seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So what does Jesus do? He notices their discouragement. He explains scripture to them, what Jesus means to them. Jesus explained himself to them. And that's what can happen with us. They came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it was as he was reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us? while he was talking with us on the road and explaining scriptures to us. Yeah. I want my table, my home, the spaces that I hang out in to be spaces where people can walk away and say, weren't our hearts burning within us? Weren't our hearts burning within us? Wasn't there something more alive in us? Wasn't there something true igniting in our hearts as we learned about who Jesus is? Yeah. Are we 
got to have some three-mile-an-hour time. We've got to stop just looking at the moments in our life as a moment to get through instead of opportunities to be in. That has to be who we become, who we are. Our car rides are opportunities for conversations with our family members. Our lunchtime at work are opportunities for conversations. Listen, introverts, I love you, but you cannot go out to your car every day at lunch. If there are people in your work that need your love, the peace that you have, the comfort that you can bring. And, and sometimes, yes, you need to go out to your car and have some Jesus time. I have two children. I need Jesus time all the time. And you guys would probably think I'm a terrible mom. I promise I'm not. Ask people who know me. I promise. Bailey, tell them later. Okay, thank you. All right. Anyway, yikes. Okay, don't judge me, Internet. All right. Anyway, I know what it means to need some space. But there also needs to be space for the people in our life. Space to give them love, space to give them mercy, space to tell them about how good Jesus is. Let's make that space in our life. All right, second part, here we go. We've got programs and we've got practices. So programs would be like Compass, like um, our life groups, serving on the dream team. These are things that we as churches create based on biblical principles to help you experience God, to know him, to love him, to live out your calling, to find your purpose, all of those things. Those things are awesome, okay? We say it all the time. Life change happens in the context of, those rela- of a relationship, and those programs are how we make that happen. But I would add this. Life change is sealed through our, our spiritual practices. Some of you might like the term spiritual disciplines better. That's fine. I just wanted them to both be peace. So, so what do I mean by spiritual practices? Let me give you an example. Prayer. Prayer is an example of a spiritual practice. And when we pray, like... The Bible says to pray all the time. We should constantly be in conversation with God. We shouldn't do that thing that sometimes we do as Christians where we tell someone we're going to pray for them, and that's the extent of our prayer is us telling them that we're going to pray for them. We need to immediately say, God, I pray for so-and-so. Immediately, right then. Like, like, I'm not talking about walking around being a weirdo at your work. Like, you could do it under your breath. It's fine. At my work... All the time, like I probably look like I'm talking to myself because I'm walking around to pray. But like, like and then I'm, I'm trying to be aware of those moments, right? And, and let me just, and I don't, maybe I've already said some things that challenge you. Let me say one more thing. So just get ready. But if we say things like, you know, I'm about a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. And then we never pray. You're not about a relationship with Jesus. You're about a religion. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's what your actions are demonstrating. And our actions demonstrate our beliefs. And that's not to make you feel condemnation. It's to convict you that if you want more of Jesus, you need to talk to Jesus. Yeah. You need to spend time with the Father. You need, like, and, and God is a father, right? He is, like, he is like a parent. Like when you have that feeling of like, man, I want to call my mom or I want to call my dad. Yes, do that. Please do that thing. Okay, but also take those things that you would have called your mom or dad about. And talk to God about them. It's, we make it hard. We think we have to do it perfect. No, just talk to God. It is a conversation. Just start there. My next practice I want to highlight, 
silence and solitude. All throughout the Gospels, like read, so reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the time it's like, and then Jesus went away. And then Jesus went by himself. And Jesus got up early in the morning because he's God and he could do that. He got up early in the morning and he went off to pray. And then a lot of times it's like, and Jesus went off to be by himself and the crowds followed him, right? Like Jesus is constantly getting away to talk to the Father, to spend time with the Father. And it's not silence for silence sake. It's silence to orient our mind, orient our thoughts, orient our heart towards God. There's this recent um, article that the Wall Street Journal did called The Art uh, or the Science of Prayer. And one of the things that it talks about in this article is that um, they basically had two different people try two different kinds of mindfulness. So they had one group try secular mindfulness, and those people just said, I am love. And then they had another group call what they called religious mindfulness. And those groups said during like their meditation, during their mindfulness time, they said, God is love. And the God is love group was more emotionally resilient and healthy at the end than the other group. And that wasn't even like directed at like Jesus necessarily. Like some of them probably were, I assume, statistically. Like just that God is love moment, it rewires us towards the God that is love. That's what silence and solitude is about. It's about focusing on our, our attention on a God who loves us to remind us of our love for him. The next practice I want to highlight, and these are not the only ones. There's lots of spiritual practices, but Bible reading, meditation, memorization, and study. It is okay to start with your Bible reading just being a verse or two here. That is a perfectly fine place to start. But if it's just like I found a verse that makes me feel good and then I walk away and that's all I think about it throughout the day, that probably won't really change your life. Yeah. What? And then, again, this is not condemnation. This is I want to help you become everything that God has for you. Yeah. That practice of Bible meditation is saying, I am going to spend time in the Word. Let's look at this in Psalm 119, 97. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. All day long I think about what God has for me. All day long I think about the scriptures. All day long I think about the Word. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste. Sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, and therefore I hate every false way. Some of you are probably feeling like, Rachel, I have tried to read scripture. It is hard. It's boring. It's confusing. Well, that's because it was created from an entirely different culture than the one we live in, so it makes sense that there would be moments where you might get a little confused. 
And so don't be so hard on yourself. But this is what I will say. You have the Holy Spirit. And this is what I will also say. Maybe you need to develop a taste for scripture. You know, I have been drinking coffee since the wee age of 10 years old. And when I started drinking, is this why I'm as tall as I am? Who knows? But my parents are short too, so it could go either way. But, um, and at first it was like mostly cream sugar and like this much coffee, right? Like that's what it was at first. But then, you know, less and less cream and sugar, less and less, uh, you know, of the other extras and more just coffee. I developed a taste for it. Take the time to develop a taste for scripture. Don't give up so easily. Be faithful. And, and here's the thing about scripture. Like we think, like I am like, nobody, like, like I like scripture a lot. I'm like a big Bible nerd. I read all of like, I like literally for my anniversary, my husband bought me a textbook that would be used in an Old Testament uh, historical backgrounds class. Like Rachel is Bible nerdy and I'm like looking up every scripture that's referenced in it and I'm like thinking about all the things. Like, and even I, who love scripture, have days where I read the Bible and it's like, huh, okay. But here's what happens. Maybe you don't get some big heavy revy goosebumps right there. Maybe you do in four hours. Maybe you do in a year. And here's the thing about the Bible, too. It is all interweaved together. The more you read the Bible, the more you can understand the Bible. The more you lean into the Holy Spirit, he's going to remind you that this thing connects to that thing and this thing connects to that thing. And you, then you will have this moment where you hear something and all of these things that you read and nothing clicked, all of a sudden it all comes together. Like that heaven meet earth thing that I talked about, that was a recent for me, where all these things that I had read come together and they clicked in my heart and in my mind. And then I said, I get this thing that I didn't get before. That's how it works. And we can't give up because we didn't have a goosebump. We can't give up on scripture, on praying, on silence and solitude because we didn't get the like same emotional feeling that we sometimes get together here in this room. We have to have, a, this is what Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction where we are faithful to go after these things and then we trust that even when we don't see the fruit today, we know that God is the one who is growing and so the fruit will come. We do not give up on all of these things. Other spiritual practices that I do not have time to talk about, but if you're curious about this, you can do your own research. Fasting, Sabbath, feasting, like that one. Generosity, serving, worship and praise, a bunch more. You guys Amen. can figure it out. But these things require some margin in our lives. Yeah. If we are speeding through life all the time, we'll never have time for that stuff. We've got to create the space for spiritual practices because that will make our faith more rooted, more deep, more grounded so that when circumstances shake like they have been shaking, we are not rooted in our emotions. We are not rooted in whatever the circumstances said. We are rooted in God because we have a two-sided approach yeah. to faith. Last part of the chart. Here we go. We've got pastors and we've got the priesthood of believers. Some of you look at this chart and you love one side and not the other, and you know it. Like, it's, it's probably the minority, but like there are some people, you might be online, 
and you might be in person, I'm not sure, but you're not really wild about temple programs and pastors. Maybe it's because you've been hurt by those things. And if that's you, I just wanna say, I'm sorry. Sometimes we don't get it right as a church. Sometimes people are in positions of leadership who shouldn't be, and they hurt people. And I'm sorry, even if that didn't happen here, it happened somewhere else, I just wanna say, I'm sorry, God saw it, he is for you, he loves you, and he does not want you to give up on the family of believers. So find that space. Even if it's not here, find a place where you can grow, where you can be planted. Find that place. But for a lot of us, I think, especially in Western culture, like if you were to go to a place where the church is persecuted, like they, they're real good at all of this stuff because they don't have any other choice. They're great at this. Like if I was to talk to like a Christian from Iran, they'd be like, yeah, table, duh, get it together, America. Anyway, but... They're probably nicer than that. Um, that's the Rachel version. So, we, we like, we like, yeah, like we want to come to the temple and we want to have our programs and we want the pastor to fix all our problems. And he is a shepherd and he is leading us and guiding us, but we also need to realize that we are the priesthood of believers. We have a responsibility, a calling. And here, let me prove it to you in scripture. In the Old Testament, we um, see that God calls the nation of Israel, his chosen people, a nation of priests. That's what they are. And then in the New Testament, we see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word. So basically, Peter is saying, grow up. So that you may grow up, like I said, into your salvation. So if you have, so if you have, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, that's the thing I talked about earlier, heaven and earth meeting, the table, a spiritual house, are being built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Continue on to verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have received, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. You all get to be a part of what God is doing. Yeah. It's not just the special people who get to create when heaven and earth overlap. It's not just the special people who have the honor of that. We have all been created in the image of God. That's just not like a nice thing to say we're special. That's a job description. We are supposed to show what God is like in the world. We are the priesthood of the believers. What was the job of the priests? It was to bridge the gap between the people and God. 
We get to do that. And I think we think we have to know everything. Rachel, I've never memorized scripture before. How do I do that? Well, I have to have, I have to have all the answers. No, you don't. You have to know that you were brought out of darkness and into your, his marvelous light. You have to know that you were not a people, but now you are a people. You were alone, and now you're connected to the family of God. You have to know that you once were separated from mercy, but now you have mercy. That's what you have to know. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is found in John 9. And in John 9, you can go look it up. Like I said, it's a good one. But basically, this guy gets healed from being blind. And the religious leaders come and they're like, who did this? How, why does he think he's so special? And you have to read the context to understand all of it. But he's like, I don't know if he's the Messiah. I just know I was blind. And now I can see. You don't have to have all the answers about Jesus. Yes, keep studying. Yes, keep growing. Get in your word. Pray. Have some silence in your life. Spend time in his presence. But also know that all you need to do to be the priesthood of believers, to be that chosen uh, generation, is to say, I was blind, now I see. I was lost, now I'm found. I was lonely, now I'm part of a family. I didn't know what I needed, but then I found who I needed. That's all you need to do. Congratulations. You're a part of the priesthood. You get the honor and the joy to participate in what God is doing. You get to bring heaven to earth. What an honor. We get to do that. You might be in the room and you're like, you know, I didn't know that was a part of it. I didn't even know that following Jesus meant I get to be a part of this bigger plan, this bigger thing that God is doing. I didn't know there was this whole other side of Christianity that I get to have a, a part in, that I get to participate in. Now can be your time. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus and you want to really go after that other side of the table. Do it. Start now. Start with a chapter of a gospel. Start with a psalm. Start with some proverbs. Start with some silence. Start somewhere. But maybe you're in the room and you've never chose Jesus. And you're like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that family. I want to be part of the chosen priesthood, the royal nation. I want to find that mercy. I want to be in the light. You can choose to do that right now choose to do that right now. So I want to give us the opportunity. So every person in here, close your eyes, bow your head. If you're in the room and you say, I've never chose to follow Jesus. I've not been a part of that family. And you want to be a part of that. You've never made that decision. I know a lot of your faces, but I don't know all of you. So I don't want to leave without that option. So if you need to choose Jesus, you want to choose to be a part of the family of Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now and put it right back down. Okay, I saw that. Thank you. All right. In solidarity with the person that raised their hand, this is what I'd like us to do. I want you all to repeat after me. So say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for inviting me into your family. I believe that you came, that you died, that you rose. Forgive me of my sins. 
Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.